welcome to Deconstructing Fitness with Chris Wilkins. We're going to take a look at a lot of things going on in health and fitness today, and we're going to decide whether or not they're actually useful, whether they apply to you, or whether they're really taking you in the wrong direction. So over a decade of coaching, clients led me to believe that the only way for people to experience lasting change is for them to understand their habits and systems they have currently in place and move from there. I apply a scientific approach to that. We change a thing. We look at how it works. We decide if it's working or not. And then we change something else and we repeat. You can't just coach one aspect of health and fitness. You have to coach them all at once. I just went on a six mile hike um, because it's beautiful fall weather. And that's how I get through my emotions. And I'm treating myself. Well, I guess not treating because I was really fucking hungry. (laughs) Yeah, I was. I'm I'm feeling my body. One of the better decisions I could have made with where with, you know, lack of planning (laughs) was this banana oat walnut ball. And it's pretty good. And it also has some chocolate chips in it. So, I Mm -hmm. mean, come on. And then I got balls don't. (laughs) (laughs) And then I got this crazy, crazy good latte, which I was very, very skeptical about. Skeptical. Yes. I it's called the it's called the Dr. Durham. And it's made with I got it with oat milk. Mm -hmm. And it has black lava salt and maca powder in it. Oh my god, it's a fancy latte. Oh yeah, it's a douchebag seven dollar latte. Um, <laughs> but it has black lava salt and oat milk and maca powder, which I really need to balance my damn hormones. So, well, I think it's awesome that you're bringing up what's in this coffee because for so many reasons. Here's the fir- here's the top two, right? First one is because we know that for you, like these kinds of flavors are a food hug. Oh, yeah. So your $7 latte, I'm really proud of you because we talked Mm -hmm. about this whole luxury thing a really long time ago and how you had like a luxury budget that -hmm. you were supposed to make sure you achieved. And look what you've done today. Like you've been on a hike, which was, you know, I would say, how how long has it been since you're in North Carolina now? Three months? Five months? Four months? It's like four months. So four months ago, but when you left LA, you were doing zero hiking regularly. Yeah, because hiking in LA sucks balls. Like it is yes. awful. And during the pandemic, it's worse because every all the gyms are closed. So everyone's like, I'm gonna hike. And then oh, you're just everyone. like on a freeway of people and you just want to kill them all. My husband's like, Okay, can they just open up Disneyland again so these people leave my nature? I'm I'm so over all these people being in the nature that they Chris never and used I to care are about. So together <laughs> on this. Yeah, we're, we're so together. I'm like, can everyone fucking now the kids are back in school? Kind of. They're like <laughs> right. forced to be home at certain times. So I'm like, yes. Well, and it's funny because this is why we went to Yosemite this last weekend was because it was this super opportunity because they're limiting entries. And so you mm-hmm. have to reserve, which means it wasn't mobbed. Like most of the time oh, on the trails, yes. we were alone. Anyway, the first point was. You've done an awesome thing. You've now got this super consistent hiking habit going and you've managed to create an opportunity for food luxury right afterwards. I mean, these are massive wins in your emotional like bucket filling, if that makes any sense. That's such a thing from my kids' school. They're like, we're bucket fillers mm-hmm. and we make other people happy by being kind and filling buckets. And now I just use it in this podcast. So, <laughs> Oops. But I mean, it's kind of cool in the sense that that's really what you're trying to do. You know, it's like a, an emotional bank account, right? And if you just always oh. make withdrawals, 
then you don't have any more money to spend, you know, and you've got to put some back in. And for you, this is such a huge win in the emotional bank account deposit section, You're right? right. You're like, ching So that's cool. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm proud of because you. I think I you're doing feeling, so good. Thank you. I was like a third way into this hike and I was like, I'm so done. I didn't have any coffee today. I woke up this morning and you know how I talked about how I love routine, but then you were all like, do you really, do you really love routine? And I was like, <laughs> oh, I guess I don't. So I woke up this morning, I looked out the window and it was super foggy and I was like, Yes foggy is my favorite and I was like I'm gonna get into the woods before this dissipates and I like I ran like got out of bed and like grabbed a cucumber because I like to munch on those and like went into the woods and then about a third of the hike in even though I didn't really have a direction I was like I guess I'm gonna go this direction and a third of the hike in I'm like I'm so done with this hike I need I want coffee so badly I want this to be over but then I tried to tell myself like, well, isn't it sometimes I feel like I just, I hike for X amount of time and then it's like always an hour and a half. And then I'm just like, I'm done. And I'm like, why don't you just, you know, push yourself a little bit more because it's such a beautiful day. Like, you know, I know you want coffee. You can have coffee afterwards, but don't cheat yourself out of this great experience. Okay, so now there's three points because it brings up something that we experienced this weekend as well. Um, mm -hmm. Because we were, like I said earlier, in Yosemite hiking, and I have done yeah. pretty much no serious walking since I had surgery in June. Yeah. Um, and my husband is like a goat. So he's never tired. <laughs> and he's, he's just like munching on oh tin cans, God. like up a side of a mountain. <laughs> For real. Well, he doesn't even, I mean, and it's the thing, like I made him on the first day, I only made one sandwich for him. And we got to the end of the day and he was like, I think, I think I need two sandwiches. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Cause it's like, how are you surviving on this little food? But that's not the point. The point is um, we were doing this hike and it's actually going into point two, which I wanted to make about the ball, the hiking ball that you purchased with your luxury coffee item um, yes. is that really hard work. And this is nothing surprising or new. I'm not trying to like sound like I'm birthing some fabulous new idea, but really hard work really does make food taste amazing. And we got to the top yeah. of this awful hike. I mean, I think it was just vertical forever. It was the half dome hike in Yosemite. Oh, fun. And yes. Half of the trail was closed. The really cool part of the trail was closed. And so we had to take a bit of a detour and it made the trip longer. It was only supposed to be like an eight mile hike. And it ended up being, I think, 10 plus when we Why got down. Why didn't you just scale the side of the mountain? Why didn't you just like uh, free free climb up the side? <laughs> uh, I'm, not, I'm not that girl anymore. That was, you know, that was a long time ago now. Well, <laughs> I probably just fall off. I can't even do a pull up right now. So I think that's out of the question. So we're and on this hike and it was hard. <laughs> and like there were tears. Some of them were mine. Some of them were Layla's. None yeah. of them were Chris's. And we get to the top and I'd bought these balls at Trader Joe's. They're called fruise balls. And I'd eaten one beforehand because sometimes like date paste makes my stomach not super happy. Depends on Me what too. else is with it. I think oh, it's really? so gross. I'm like, fuck this. I'll eat so, a date, but not <laughs> totally. Yeah. So we get to the top of this hill and I'm like starving and Layla's starving and she doesn't like these fruise balls either. And we both ate one and I was like, 
fucking rainbows shot out of my mouth. This tasted so good. You know, and I just said to my husband, I'm like, wow, you know, effort really can make anything taste awesome. And I think about the people oh, yeah. who do these survival shows and you watch them like eat the insides of a frog or something. And you're like, how could you ever do that? You're like, yeah, well, hunger's pretty powerful at a certain point. And these yeah. were like the best tasting snack I've ever had. And it was literally a ball of goo. And at no other time does this ball of goo taste this good, which is what's happened to you yeah. probably with this nut ball thing that you've purchased. Yeah. And this is this is why these are hiking snacks. I'm convinced is obviously there's a super awesome balance of carbohydrates um, and nutrients that go into these, which is yeah. point three, which was the third point is that like, you know, we often think that nutrient dense food is the stuff we see in, you know, it, not infomercials, but you know, in marketing campaigns for like maca powder and all these other super special things that are in your coffee. Super foods. Super foods. Although maca powder fucking is the only thing that ever worked for balancing my hormones after the doctors were like, I don't know, go on birth control. And I was like, thanks. <laughs> I'm not saying food does not have medicinal properties or that it can't have an impact on your physiology. Absolutely. Hands down it can. But what I'm also saying is it doesn't have to be the most expensive food. I mean, in one hand, you've got a ball of like goo made out of bananas, nuts, and oats, which are like super cheap for the most part, you know, yeah. nuts aside, but they're super cheap. Everybody can use these. And then on the other hand, yeah. And then the other hand, you've got this like fancy pants, $7 latte, and both of them are beneficial, right? Both of them are things that uh, are full of nutrients and things that your body is going to be really excited about. One is $7 and one is not. So the idea that eating high nutrient food or eating food that's really healthful for you it has to be expensive is a myth I'd just like to dispel like right oh, here yeah. and now. It only has to be expensive if you're in a super gentrified area. Or LA. I mean, like some of the stuff I see here, it really blows my mind still what people will pay for. Oh yeah. Some well, I mean, I mean, I'm in gentrified Durham, which is basically like these people look LA and looking at the, the houses in this area, they're going, they're like really, I mean, to me, they're really expensive. They're, you know, some of them are half a million and like, you know, the, the, the hipsters are really infiltrating. <laughs> so that's where I like to get my coffee. Cause I want black lava salt. I mean, I'm not going to say these things aren't awesome and that I wouldn't be in line right next to you to get one, but you don't have to have it. And there are lots of places this stuff isn't, uh, isn't available. And I think it puts people off too often of trying to eat healthy because they think, oh, well, I can't get access to acai berries or, you know, perfect blueberries or whatever. It doesn't matter. There's always a way to improve just a little bit the nutrient quantity and density of the foods that you're eating. Yeah. Um, because you don't have to be a hipster to do it. You don't have to. <laughs> and you don't turn into one immediately upon eating mm -hmm. healthier food. Like you you don't have to grow a beard and wear a cat shirt and, and have a beanie. It's okay. You know? <laughs> oh my God. There you go. I like how you just laid that out. Exactly. Didn't you say that your described. husband was yes. turning into a hipster? And he was, was like, no, I'm that. not. <laughs> I literally just described my husband. That's why I did it because I was like, ha, 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 ha. And pretty much oh, everybody God. that works at SpaceX, he honestly. No, he doesn't wear the beanie. Oh, good. He draws That's a line at the beanie. Well, he was picking on me yesterday because I had bought, 
I've also decided and this is a shameless plug for Old Navy who does not give me anything at all. But <laughs> like I've just decided I looked for ever. I went to Athleta. I went to a bunch of other stores to find some thicker like hiking pants that weren't uh-huh. the traditional, you know, the cliche hiking pants with like bunches of pockets and a, I wanted an elastic oh, waist. Let's just be honest. Pants? Yeah. Like cargo pants. I just wanted an elastic waist because when you're hiking a lot, I just, you know, you're going to have to use nature for yeah. nature things and having to like button up in a hurry annoys the crap out of me. So I just wanted an elastic pair, elastic yeah. waisted pair of pants, whatever. So I looked everywhere and I swear I went to Old Navy and I found this pair of pants that was $15. It matched literally everything else I had. And I just looked super matchy matchy out on the trail. And my husband was like, okay, well, (laughs) he was super giving me a hard time. I'm like, dude, $15 pants. Like, I'm not trying so hard here. I'm not like, it's not my fault. Everybody makes things in the same colors. Okay. It's not my fault. He's like, you have 25 shades of gray on and they all match. And I was like, yeah. He says, but don't forget that purple. I was like, dude, you're the one that bought me the purple neck thing. Like, what do you, <laughs> I can't help it. Okay. So it was kind of funny because I think, again, this is sort of the same as what I was saying about the health food thing. Like just because you want to eat healthier or find an appropriate pair of hiking pants doesn't mean you have to spend a lot of money. I think people get hung up on gear. They get hung up on um, you know, marketing. And yeah. I think this is a great segue into how just damaging fitness and health and nutrition marketing can be to people's oh, yeah. ability to move forward. Yes. And take steps to improve their health. And I think that was super evident this weekend, you know, when we were in a national park looking around at what people were bringing with them on hikes and then the cafe we ate at was, um, it was mini and everything is different because of COVID obviously. So lots of stuff was closed and there weren't a lot of restaurant options just fine with us. Cause we yeah. tend to eat what we pack oh anyway. God, no breakfast at the Wani hotel. <sighs> no breakfast. No, that's the one disappointing part was there was no amazing hotel breakfast. So fine. But we found this cafe in Yosemite and it was little, but it had just what you needed really. It was like some decent salads and stuff. And then they had three soup options. They had like a chicken tortilla, they had a lentil veggie, and they had a chili, which was pretty much just meat and a bean. Like, I think there was one (laughs) bean in it. And, you know, we were super excited because we're like, oh yeah, lentils. Because when you're traveling, fiber is really important. Yes. Um, Especially if you're traveling for many days, it's really easy to end up taking in almost zero grams of fiber a day if you're not actively seeking to do something about it. Um, And so lentil soup is one of our favorite things to see on a menu. Mm -hmm. And you know, the only soup that was sold out was the lentil soup. Well, everyone and I was else super looks happy to like see that. They care about the fiber content. <laughs> yeah, but I was super happy to see that. I was like, oh yes, like maybe this is a shift. Maybe this is, you know, what we want to see. Yeah, people caring about their their colon. Yes, I mean, you know, there comes a point where everybody cares about their colon. Like, I mean, there's when, a reason that old guys talk about regularity so much. <laughs> my dad won't. When we were in France, oh my God, every time we had dinner, he had to talk about, I need prunes. <laughs> it was awful. Well, France is notoriously fiber free. I don't know how the French ever, ever take a dump having lived there for eight years. Like, 
I mean, coffee, coffee does coffee. help for True. some people. Definitely. My mom, my mom always says cup of Joe got to go. Yeah. <laughs> it works. It, it does works. work. I'm not, not complaining, but it's not really the right direction because this, you know, to bring it back around to what we were talking about when it comes to inexpensive food can be really helpful. Like yeah. really high fiber foods are not expensive. They're just not no. glamorous most like of the time. Beans. I got a pack of beans. I got to figure out. This is so, I feel embarrassed. So I really love butter beans, which are apparently mm. mature lima beans, which I didn't yes. know. And I cannot, I was finding these great cans of butter beans and I was like, yes. And I was so into them and they're almost impossible to find. So oh. I did find a pack of mature lima beans and I was like, and they're just the dried beans. And instead of like, oh, just opening my can and pouring them on my salad, I'm like, what do I do with these? And I have to cook them. Do I have to soak them? And I'm like so intimidated. <laughs> so that's actually a great point because beans are one of these things where they're just so cheap, especially if you get them dry, but then they can be really time intensive because if you don't yeah. soak them, they can make you a little bit farty. Oh, really? Is that why people yes. soak them? That's one oh. of the reasons, right? So it it helps some of the lectins come out and that's what the soaking is for. Oh, um, how, long, how long do you soak beans for before you well, cook Well, you them? should soak them overnight. Oh my God. Which most people are not prepared <laughs> to do. And so the workaround <laughs> so is actually planning. for sure. And the work, I, I never cooked beans from dry until I got a pressure cooker because it's literally 30 minutes. I have one. I have never used it. It's magic. They are really magical. If you want to eat cheap and you want to uh -huh. eat a lot of fiber and you want to buy stuff in bulk, like which are three of my favorite things to teach my clients how to do because it's so cost effective and it's so healthful. Like it's and it's so easy. It's like mind bendingly easy once you do it the first time because it is terrifying to use a pressure cooker for the first time. I that's why my I'm house scared. Gonna blow I'm scared up. My I'm scared my face is going to burn off from the steam. Andrew, I <laughs> wanted a pressure cooker. I wanted, um, you know, what are they bringing? I can't remember which brand mine is, but apparently it's a really nice brand. And I wanted it, you know, an Instapot. Instapot. Yeah. And I wanted that. And Andrew got it for me over a year ago. <laughs> and I've been so intimidated to use it. I have never used it. And he got me like the extra fancy one which is mm -hmm. like you have an app with it. It's ridiculous. Oh. And I'm just so scared to use it because I'm so worried I'm going to burn my face off and I don't understand. You know what? I'm just going to say, I know this is a podcast, y'all, but Chris, please do. We can we can put it on YouTube. Do like an episode of Pressure Cooker How To with beans. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it's so so simple. Even just watching somebody do it doesn't take the fear factor of blowing your house up away, but it really is... <laughs> Awesome. And I mean, I think one of my Instagram posts, if you go to my Instagram feed, I actually have a recipe I cooked hundred percent in my pressure cooker and you do nothing. It's like the most magical thing ever. I think I did. It was black beans and salsa chicken and all literally it was like, I cooked the beans for 30 minutes in there on the, the whatever manual setting it is. And then I pulled that out and I stuffed package of chicken thighs in with a jar of salsa and I had like chicken burrito bowls for a week oh damn that sounds good I want that super cheap a lot of oh my god now I think I'm gonna actually go out and get stuff and make what you just said but with enchilada sauce yeah oh yeah oh my god you can use any of the like jarred sauces 
which I know Nats what I reckon would be really upset with me for saying because fuck yeah. jar sauce. But I'm I'm talking like, you know, salsa. I'm not talking yeah. Alfredo. Please don't put Alfredo in a pressure cooker with or your like chicken. Or like weird. Oh that's my bound god, to be like gross. Weird queso that's made out of plastic yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. No, oh that's not god. what we're talking about here. No, no, I want to put like well, you know the enchilada sauce. I'm yeah. not gonna probably not gonna make my own enchilada sauce. No, unlikely. <laughs> I mean, I, you can, it's doable. It tastes awesome, but it's very time intensive. And if your goal here is to decrease the amount of time you're spending preparing these things and making your own enchilada sauce, it's probably not for you right yeah. now. And that's fine. Yeah. I mean, I think this is the the real secret is understanding that you don't need a hundred new recipes. You need like five or six solid go-tos that you're prepared yeah. to make regularly. And then when you want to try something new, you can, but you don't feel like you have to. And I think this is what happens with meal plans for people a lot is they're like, I need a meal plan. Somebody tell me exactly what to eat. And then you do, but it's such a deviation from what you were already eating that it's like Herculean amounts of effort to make it happen. Yeah. And so you and don't sustain it. it and prepare it. Right. You're like, you know. I'm not going to do this for more than two weeks. <laughs> right. And so it doesn't work long term. It gives you some new recipes and usually a few of them will stick, which is good. Right. But it doesn't actually help you fundamentally change how you're cooking day in, day out. Yeah. And so that's that's the secret. It's like, OK, well, I've got this really bomb chili recipe that I mess with over time. That's going to work for me. I've got a really great chicken soup recipe, you know, like some of the real staple foundation things that every family has in some way or, for, or shape or form, right? It exists. We were talking yeah. about your chicken soup recipe a couple of weeks ago and your family is like, this is what we do. This is our comforting, super awesome chicken soup plus cheese, right? Yes. <laughs> so, plus, plus cheese because according to my dad, that's where, according to my parents, that's the protein. It's just every time I see them, it's like, well, what are we having for dinner? It's always like gluten-free pasta and vegetables Mm -hmm. and I was like you guys really need some like more protein stuff you know and my dad was just like well dude we have cheese and I'm just like (laughs) it really is there they I feel like they eat well my mom will then then some they'll they'll get like a rotisserie chicken sometimes and then my mom will make a soup out of it and Mm -hmm. with beans and stuff and that's really good but when we're they're just trying to do a quick dinner it's just like gluten-free pasta because my mom's gluten intolerant and then with like cheese and then salad and like and this no, is a, <laughs> yeah no protein. This is a, and then I I fell back into I remember my childhood and it was like okay I just ate my bowl of pasta with cheese and stuff well I guess I'll go get my next bowl and then my next bowl because I was never full ever never satisfied yeah well you're full you'll be physically full but you won't be satisfied and Maybe this is what protein I, is great I for feel, I didn't feel full I just felt like well I'm hungry I could eat another bowl I didn't feel mm. I just was like, I could keep eating. <laughs> yeah. And that's common. And this is where protein is really, really useful. And I think the, there's a huge misconception that uh, to be vegetarian, you have to eat a lot of cheese to make up for the protein or dairy. And that's your source. But the reality yeah. is if they're making a ton of really awesome high protein pastas. So there you nudge your protein up a little bit there rather than going yeah. gluten-free. You like can literally buy, pasta. yeah. Or chickpea pasta is awesome. Yeah. Cause it doesn't go like lentil pasta. You got to be on it. Like you overcook that for like a minute. Like, it's not awesome anymore. So you gotta, you gotta nail the lentil pasta, but it's I good. Had that, oh my God. I had that experience with cauliflower gnocchi. I know yeah. cauliflower, it's not adding like the protein, but 
I slightly overcooked some cauliflower gnocchi and it turned into the most disgusting, like slimy mush. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, fuck this. I'm not doing this again. <laughs> so you gotta, you gotta set a timer. I mean, that's the best tip I've yeah. got set the timer and don't, don't be doing other things like be ready for that pasta, but <laughs> you're doing chickpea pasta is awesome too. So you're nudging your protein up there. And then if you eat, you know, some higher protein vegetables with it, you know, you put some peas in there or some beans or edamame or something like that. You can actually get a decent amount of plant-based protein in that meal, but you, you can't just slap up some vegetables and pasta and put some cheese on it and call it a protein rich meal. It's unfortunate yeah. because we all love cheese. I mean, it's funny. There was actually Dr. Brody got into it with somebody, um, got into it. I can't say that really because he never mm-hmm. actually gets into it with anybody. He just super logically defends whatever it is he's saying. And he's always so amazingly calm and collected and factual. It's like aspirational. He says he's lactose intolerant and he talks about it in this post. And he's like, but I really wanted some pizza today. I'm going to eat this pizza and I'm going to pay for it. And that's okay. And some troll came along and like nailed him for being a nutritionist who promotes dairy. And he was like, I didn't say I promoted dairy. I said, I'm lactose intolerant. I'm going to eat this anyway. I was talking about food choices and just brought it back a number of times, super professionally, super logically. And it was great. It was great to watch. It was a great lesson for my kid. We're working on critical thinking skills and logical fallacies. And I was like, Hey, check this out. This is great. Um, but anyway, the point was more about dairy, you know, because you're, you're going to get people who tell you you should never eat dairy and it's terrible for you and to bring it back around. Mm, Yeah, it does. And to bring it around to the marketing side of things again, too, you know, it's highly pervasive, this idea that dairy is fundamentally bad. Yeah. Right. And that we've been doing things all wrong. And okay, let's for argument's sake, say the research did support that. It doesn't, but let's say that it did. Um, Mm -hmm. Chances are in five or 10 years, they're going to completely change their mind again. Because this is the danger of nutrition marketing is that yeah. we've, we just don't know enough to be making blanket statements about anything. Even that black salt in your coffee, right? I you just think like the way it sounds. Food. Right. I don't get exactly. Fuck. They're all like, it's a carcinogenic. And I'm like, it sounds so beautiful and earthy. <laughs> I just want it all in my body. Right. And that's the, this is the danger. And I think this is one of the things I I work really hard on with clients is making sure that they understand the difference between like the marketing psychology of food and Mm -hmm. the actual nutritional value of things that you eat, you know, to our best knowledge, because nutrition science, I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast before, but like nutrition science is relatively new and it's highly, highly complex. And so this is why sometimes you'll see things flip-flop. Like, let's take the egg or butter or, you know, any of these products. How about that... what we grew up with where everything was fat-free and fat <laughs> was the enemy? Fat right. is your enemy. Um, right. So we're just going to shove a shit ton of sugar and all this fat-free crap. Yeah. And then everything changed. And now everyone's like, keto, carbs are the enemy. Right. It's and so carbs have been the enemy. For about a decade now, which is so, so <laughs> ridiculous because no macronutrient is the enemy. <laughs> like that's fundamentally flawed as a way to go about looking at nutrition. And, you know, 
that's part of the issue. And this is one of the reasons why I think what um, Dr. Berardi and Chris Scott Dixon are doing with nutrition is so meaningful and why I'm working so hard to, to do what I can with it as well, because I think we've got to have more logical fact-based discussions about how our bodies work and how they use food and how those foods that we grow and consume impact us, you know, because it's not just like cucumbers are good. Cucumbers are bad. It's how is the cucumber grown? Where did it come from? How long has it been waiting for you to eat it? Um, you know, how does your body actually process that cucumber? We talked about that a little bit previously. Um, we're talking about calories because this is this black and white thinking. Again, we come back to the same series of ideas, but this black and white thinking of like, you know, maca powder and black lava salt are good for you, but oats, oats are bad because they're carbs. It's like, dude, what? Also, they might have gluten. <sighs> oh my God. Right. Right. You, and you know, no, I'm not saying if someone's really gluten intolerant, like my mom is, yeah. if you're gluten intolerant and you fucking eat gluten, my mom gets so angry when people are like, I'm gluten intolerant, but then <laughs> they'll eat gluten. And they're like, she basically, my mom didn't say it this crassly, but basically if you're not fucking shitting yourself within a couple minutes, after you're having not gluten, gluten intolerant. You're not that gluten intolerant. <laughs> right. Well, and this is the case with any real food intolerance or allergy, like you will have a semi-serious to a very serious response to it. That doesn't mean you're not affected by it. Like maybe yeah. eating products with gluten makes you feel sluggish. Fine. But that's not the same as some kind of, you know, life altering reaction to it. And I think yeah. that's the danger. And you know, they there's a bunch of studies if you really want to go down this road that say that it's not actually the gluten, it's the pesticides that are used on the wheat in America. And if you Which eat I, I love from other countries. How, you know how I like to get on my, I was born in the wrong country, you know, pedestal. <laughs> so that that is fascinating because the only thing I can say is that my mom, who is very gluten intolerant, like really, uh, my mom spent all this time in France and we went to France and Italy and never once had a problem. And I remember you saying, I bet you she did have gluten as, you know, like my sister was always trying to translate, you know, uh, sans gluten and, um, you know, she had no problems really Mm -hmm. with her stomach at all the entire time, which is really rare for her. But if we're going to put our science hat on about this, right, it begs the question, it begs the question, is gluten really the culprit here? Is it the Mm -hmm. specific species of wheat that we grow versus the European species of wheat? Are they different? Mm -hmm. Are they using different pesticides? Is it something in the soil? I mean, there's a thousand possibilities rather than just painting it all with like gluten is bad, gluten is good. And I think this is the point is that like, it's not about making unilateral decisions about what is and isn't good for you. It's about experimenting and having a scientific, you know, method that you apply to these things by experimenting, by documenting, by paying attention to the results that you get, by trying to look at different factors instead of just making decisions off of, you know, the ad campaign you saw for maca powder saying (laughs) it's really, really good for you. Like there's more there than that. And even the studies that come out, you know, it's just one tiny thing that they've studied. Yeah. Who knows how good the quality of the study was too. If you don't know, you can't make decisions. You can't make quality decisions based off of some study you read in the news, you know, yeah. I think this is like a massive theme for what's going on in America they right now. They told also. me that 
they told me that that coffee was very healthy and it, it prevents uh, certain heart conditions. So I went out to Starbucks and I had five frappuccinos and it was great. But then I read another study that said coffee is going to kill you in one day. Right. So that was really scary. So then I switched to just vanilla frappuccinos with no caffeine. Right. And so, I mean, I think the thing is, what do you do about it? Right. If you can't just trust what you see and you get conflicting information all the time and, and you don't know how to evaluate it because, you know, short of being a PhD nutritionist, it's actually quite difficult to sort through the information coming out. Like, how do you move forward then? Because it creates a bit of like nutrition paralysis. Yeah. Of like, and I, I don't know wanna, what to eat. I just want to point out that if anyone's like me and you start to get really, really, really overwhelmed and like freaked out to the point of paralysis, I'm like, oh yeah, I only have to figure this out for myself. Yes, exactly. That's, Which is great. Exactly I don't want to write a book. Go. I don't want to no. write a fucking book. Everyone should do this. It worked for me. It's like, I just want to write, what do you call it? The user's manual for my yes. body. Exactly. And that's exactly what I was going to say. I think we've been working together for Sorry, a long time jumped, now. <laughs> jumped right on top. And also your body no, that's always good. changes. And so my user's manual will have to be updated. updated. Mm-hmm. New versions um, all the time. And that's the whole point. It's like, if you know that you've been eating dairy your whole life and it doesn't bother you, then you don't have to stop. If you know that oats don't bother you, you don't have to stop eating them because of the next nutrition thing. You have to manage your energy intake. You have to manage your sleep. You have to manage your energy output in the form of getting your body moving regularly and often doesn't have to be CrossFit. I was actually thinking on this hike the other day, I was like, it was 600 granite steps up to Half Dome. And I was like, CrossFitters can fuck right off because this is way harder. And I've been doing this for way longer. And I've been do oh, I've done more reps. And I am a CrossFit instructor. So I, I can say that. <laughs> like That sounds so crap. intense. Nature is way harder than CrossFit. Like you want to get fit? Go outside. Go outside because yeah, it is nature way harder. Nature will test you. Speaking of going outside, I wanted to talk about that if you are going outside a lot and you are uh, you want to, you know, have something to kind of show you progress. So I've been using this app, but I've been having a little bit of issue with it. Like, mm -hmm. I don't even it has glitched on me a couple different times. And today I did like an initial hike, but then I didn't like where I was at. So I went to a different spot and like started up again. And I don't even think I've recorded like my six mile hike and it's been glitching. <laughs> yeah. And I really, I mean, just to anyone who's like, really, but I want my fucking hike recorded. And that feels yeah. so steady after, after really, you couldn't have not recorded my two mile hike. <laughs> I, dude, I have a Sunto five. That's the thing I got in February that told me I have fair fitness. That's funny. We talked about that in another Your podcast. Your fancy but, watch. Right. My fancy pants watch. And then I got a new phone because my phone black screen of death me and now it won't connect to my phone. I think the reality oh, is God. like, it doesn't matter what piece of technology you use. It's not perfect yet, but as yeah. long as you're doing it, like it feels good to get the tracking stuff. I love it too, you know, but also it shouldn't stop you from doing it. 
right? Yeah. You don't need that carrot. If the carrot helps you, awesome. You know, I can still use my watch to track all of the stuff that I do. I just can't upload all the fun data onto my phone anymore. And so I've got to find a workaround. Yeah. And that's definitely, you know, <laughs> hugely motivating, you know, especially trying to hike 25 miles with a 10 year old this oh, week uh, Yeah, was like, Every 15 steps, how far have we gone? Have we done a mile? No, it's like, just walk. And so there's the flip side of it too. You know, you've got to have something that works and there's a hundred options. I mean, I could list out at least five right now, you know, that you can use to reasonably track your efforts. Um, but don't get super hung up on it because it's going to break probably. And you're going to end up not being able to track every single thing. And it's, again, it's, it's this idea of consistency over, you know, carrots. You don't necessarily yeah. need a carrot every time. You just got to show up and do the thing, which you're doing anyway. You know, yeah. like I said at the beginning, you're you're consistently doing it. And yes, it's annoying when you're like, I did this epic thing and my stupid piece of technology did not give me my carrot. Rawr. Rawr. Right. Rawr. Um, it, it's, it's annoying. It's annoying. Um, but keep going. My thing is I'm feeling really, I'm having a lot of anxiety because I'm starting that new job mm. and you know, my main source of exercise, like I only want to go hiking. That's all I want to freaking do. And I'm just like, when I start the job and winter's coming by the time, like I won't be able to, like, it won't be light anymore to go out hiking. And then mm. I'm not going to be one of those. I don't hike on principle during the weekends because everyone else hikes. And I'm not going to fucking hike when other people are there. Yeah. <laughs> so really the question is basically like you've got a new routine starting and you're afraid of losing the things that you've built. I'm so, so far that you're really sit. happy with. Yeah. I'm so worried that in a month it's going to be like, I sit on my ass all day long and don't do any exercise anymore. Yeah. And I mean, this is a real fear and this happens every time we have significant change to our routine, right? And the newer a uh, habit is, the more we feel that fear because we're not, it's not ingrained yeah. enough yet. It's like you're starting this new job. You're not afraid. You're not going to brush your teeth anymore. <laughs> you know, like you're still going to make that happen. And so that's what you want to try to do is look at this oh. as like, this is as important as brushing my teeth every day. How do I schedule it rather than what if it goes away? It's, it's like, no, this is a priority. This makes me happy. This puts huge amounts of deposit into my emotional bank account. Like it's non-negotiable that it goes away. Back when I was training at one of the big box gyms, right? Um, one of the things they did was they would run this sales pitch of, you know, how to get people to buy personal training. And one of the questions they asked is like, you have to specifically commit to a time and a day that you're going to be here. This is as important of a commitment as a doctor's appointment because you've got to make this time for yourself. And although I hated a lot of things about the way they pitched things, it really cornered people in a way yeah. that ended up derailing what they were trying to achieve. But at the end of the day, that is true. You have to make this as big a priority as a doctor's appointment. And when it was big box gym personal training, like I would ding you if you didn't show up, I would charge your session because you've made this commitment. Right. And that's yeah. how it's got to be. There's got to be some sort of thing in your head of like, you know, I brush my teeth because I don't really want my teeth to fall out ever. And because <laughs> my mouth feels disgusting when I don't. And so I don't need any more incentive than that to continue this habit. Yeah. Right. Um, but when you're building a new habit, like say teaching your 
eight-year-old to consistently brush their teeth, you have to put negative repercussions in place when they don't do it of some kind, right? So it, I'm not saying you, you know, don't beat your children because they don't brush your teeth. This is not what I'm suggesting. I'm suggesting that, you know, hey, you didn't brush your teeth. You can't have dessert or, you know, you, I'm going to actually clean your teeth for you if you won't do it yourself. And that's going to be less pleasant than if you just go and get it done. Or, you know, there's, there's yeah. ways to do this to incentivize yourself while you're building this habit, right? So you've got a four-month streak of hiking incrementally more over the four months as well. And so yeah. what you've got to do is think, okay, like it, winter is coming. Yes. So it's going to change daylight hours. It's also going to change temperatures. And if you want to maintain a decent temperature, you're going to have to hike probably in the middle of the day. Mm. So maybe so, try a lunch. I mean, the job is yeah. remote. Right. Um, what I'm hoping is if I go out for a lunchtime hike, that it's not like going to be like, you better be gone for only 60 minutes. Exactly. Mm. You know, not sure. But, but I guess I don't know enough. So I can't really, I really shouldn't be stressing as I don't know enough yet. But you can start to formulate multiple levels of plan, right? And this is one of the tricks um, that, I find really useful for myself when I feel like I don't have things in control is I make 25 contingency plans. Mm. I mean, I am a Virgo and I like the planning, but it's like, okay, if they're going to police my hours, then I need to get this hike done in an hour. Where can I go? Plan the route now. Okay. Right? And then say, okay, in order to get the distance that I want, how fast do I have to hike? Like, Ooh, maybe I have to walk a 16 minute mile back to our Les Mills benchmark test, right? I have to mm -hmm. walk that 16 minute mile in order to be able to get the amount of mileage done I want a week. I got to make this happen. How do I do that? Okay. Is that reasonable? And then you run through the process again. Okay. Let's say, um, I've got a project that's really important. Um, I don't know that I'm going to be able to stop. How do I make sure I stop and get it done anyway? Mm right? What kind of things do I put in place to draw these lines? These are hard things to do. I'm not saying yeah. it's like, oh, just make a plan and it's all fine. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard when you're wrapped it up is. in a project to, and to be like, you don't no, know. I have to go. The yeah. anxiety of fucking not knowing is some of the worst anxiety than being all like, I know and it's shit. Because right yeah. now it's just a bunch of, I don't know. And I know we're all in that, but starting a yeah. job super grateful i got a job during the pandemic super right? grateful but terrified as hell yeah so all right i'm gonna work on my contingency plans you know i'm i love my planning this method of scientifically logically thinking through things is a way to really help you manage your anxiety over mm -hmm. change because it allows you to process all of that fear and all of those um big unknowns down to actionable steps. Yeah. And yeah. I think this is, you know, when you look at my, my daughter had had some counseling, she does have a little bit of a tendency to overthink and be a little bit anxious. Um, and so she was obviously not going to listen to me about any of this stuff because I'm her mother and that's just how that works. <laughs> so I had her work with the school counselor and she um, sent her through this list of Socratic questions um, which might be actually really cool to post up on the website is yeah. as an anxiety management strategy because it really, really helped her. It helped her to be able to take that uncontrollable fear, that thing that was overwhelming her, and ask a series of questions that allowed her to feel like, oh, whatever happens, I know what to do. Mm, 
Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's things like that. It's these kinds of tools that we should be giving people regularly. This should yeah. be part of, of how we educate people to yeah. be able to manage the things going on. There's so um, much unknown, lives. but there mm-hmm. is a way to manage the overwhelmingness of the unknown. Yes. And that's the key. And this is, you know, when you look at engineers, for example, building rockets, it's like, <laughs> they don't know. Every time they test that rocket, it could just blow up in flames. And it's like, that's millions <laughs> of dollars. They just blew up. and it's a really scary thing, but it's oh, really yeah. exciting when it works. And the better you manage all of these contingencies and, and things that could go wrong, like in this case, anxiety almost helps you. Yeah. Because it makes you think through all of the, the things, having a plan and having an adaptable plan. So it's not just one action and then it doesn't work out. So now I give up. It's I have 17 different options here Yeah, for how I'm going to handle this situation. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, the Marines say two is one, one is none. Right. So, you know, if you've only got one of something. You basically don't have any because if something goes wrong with that one thing, you're screwed. That's why I have many personalities. <laughs> See, I saw a TikTok on that. It was like, <laughs> if you don't like my personality, just wait. I've got four more. And it was really it was well done. But, Gemini. I, yeah, <laughs> possibly. So I think, you know, that's the that's what we're getting at here. And it's consistent. It comes up all the time um, is this idea that you you don't have control, but you can react better with training. And if again, to bring it back to the military, if you look at how the military trains you, they're training you f- for situations that may never happen all the time. Like almost all of military training is based off of this like tiny percent chance that something really terrible is going to happen. But if it does, you know what to do. Yeah. And that's how you survive it. We were, um, my husband wanted to be a pilot in the Royal Navy because he's British. Obviously, he can't be in the U.S. Navy because he's not American, but he went through the selection process quite far, and he was telling Layla about it on the hike, and they do this helicopter, this underwater escape training in, like, basically the shell of a helicopter, and he said that the reason they started doing this was because they figured out through, you know, other helicopters crashing that the pilots almost always made it out, and the passengers didn't, and it was because the passengers didn't know what to do, and so part of the the main training is um, underwater escape training. And so the first time they do an easy version, right? The lights are on. They tell you what to do. They train you out of the water first, right? You run the drill out of the water and then they dunk it. And there's people there to assist you if you're stuck or whatever, but you already know what to do when the helicopter hits the water the first time. The second time they do it, the lights are on, but the helicopter's upside down. So you've got to do it and find up, right? You've got to orient yourself and they teach you a trick to orient yourself so that you can find it quickly. Low low bubbles. Okay. That works if the lights are on, but if you crash at night, what do you do? And so they teach you tricks for orienting at night. Like, and one of the things they teach you is as you realize you're going to crash, you figure out which direction is up and you hold your arm that way. Oh, wow. And so when the moment comes to escape, you don't have to find your way out in the dark because you're right. Yes, bubbles, but no light. You don't have bubbles. You can't see them. Okay. Wow. And so that's, that's the third time you do it. So they're basically attempting to drown you repeatedly 
in an effort to save you, which I think is awesome. Like it's an awesome metaphor for how you learn things and how you change. It is. It's like, let's try to kill you real good. So you become unkillable. (laughs) I love that. But this is how we adapt. This is how we improve. And it's a process that is proven in every military on the planet. It's a process that's proven in any team you know, if you look at how teams function together, they lose and then they assess and then they figure out why they lost and then they, they attack that thing and then that works or it doesn't. And then they attack the next thing. And this is just the process over and over and over again. This is what works. Yeah. So, you know, it's the same with nutrition. It's the same with health and fitness. You know, you're going to make some mistakes. You're going to not get everything right. You're going to get some things right, right away and feel really lucky. You don't have to screw around and get it wrong a bunch of times, but that's not going to be the consistent experience. Yeah. You know, so I think there's, there's a lot to reading some, some books on survival and some books on overcoming challenges. And that's probably a reading list we should put up as well. Like, Hey, you know, you want some inspirational stories on, on how people did this. Here you go. You want some psychology on, on how, your brain works and and why this method of habit change works. Here you go. Um, You know, because I think it is about changing your perspective. It is about gaining control of the uncontrollable. And it is about finding ways that you in your own life can write your user's manual. Yeah. So much good stuff. So much good stuff. I feel like a sense of hope that I haven't felt in a long time. Yay. That's good. Yay. And it's um, a hot commodity right now. <laughs> oh my fucking God. More hope. The more hope, the better. Oh my God. And action. Hope right. and action. Hey, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. And I hope that today's episode made you think a little bit about how you could apply some of what we're talking about to yourself and your behaviors and let us know if you find any of it meaningful. Make sure to tune in for the next episode where we will continue to have somewhat circular conversations that may be helpful. They will be. They will be helpful. <laughs> it's what you take away from them. Wow. Right. The more you know. Mm-hmm.